This episode of Teeming with Microbes is brought to you by Bigfoot Microbes, number two organics made in partnership with Malibu Compost and down-to-earth all-natural fertilizers. Welcome, everyone, to the Teeming with Microbes podcast, our weekly deep dive into the rich and fertile world of the soil food web and organic gardening. We're breaking down all the science and handing out expert gardening advice while busting those long-held myths about how to help your garden grow. With the man who literally wrote the books on teeming with everything important in your soil, the Lord of the Roots himself, Jeff Lowenfels, and me, Jonathan White, the caffeinated gardener. From flowers to lawns to vegetables, heck, even your mind. Let's grow it all. From looking at me, you can tell there's not a lot of things I won't eat, unfortunately. But mushrooms is on the list. I will not eat mushrooms. What? Never, I've never had a taste for them. You're kidding me. You're I'm not kidding. kidding. No. Wow. Wow. Okay. I'm going to have to try to talk you out of that. But I, I, I noticed you sent me a picture of a mushroom growing in some coffee grinds. I did. But I, there is, obviously, I drink a lot of coffee. Uh, yeah. Or, you yeah. know. I, 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 uh, one of my favorite beverages ever, and I'm growing some Kona coffee starts in my greenhouse. And I, wow. you know, I've been tending to them and babying them and, you know, trying to get them to grow into trees over the last couple of months, uh, you know, coffee producing trees. Sure. And I noticed, and I sent you a cool little picture of these little tiny mushrooms. I mean, they're really small. They're tiny and super cute. I'd say they're maybe, maybe a quarter inch tall. Um, yeah in the pot. And so that my guess is a mycorrhizal fungi. Yeah, you know, I think they very well may be at first. I thought it was just coffee grinds, but now that you tell me you're growing it with a plant, it makes a lot of sense that that would be the mycorrhizal fungi. And it's a good thing you have them because it would be very difficult to grow that coffee unless you had the, the right good mycorrhizal fungi. So you've got, you apparently must've brought some of the soil back and it, and it had that mycorrhizal fungi. Oh, no, aha. But maybe the mystery is, maybe the mystery is um, solved here. The compost that I use primarily in my greenhouse is made yeah. from spent coffee grounds. Oh wow! Yeah, I mean that's 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 good stuff. That is great stuff. And in fact, the way people started growing uh, mushrooms, uh, sort of DIY, as opposed to buying a kit, was using coffee grinds and straw. And if they mix the two together with the right mixture and put in the right kind of spawn, they could use coffee grinds to grow really, really great numbers of mushrooms. So all it takes about 70% coffee grinds and 20% straw. Now you got to take the straw and you got to wash it off and you got to cut it into little pieces for, you know, little, little inch or two inch pieces. And so if you end up with five pounds of coffee grinds, Two five pounds of mushroom spawn, or, or or half a pound of mushroom spawn, and one pound of straw. You got a little kit, and you can mix them all together, uh, and you can grow mushrooms. Except you got to do it in sterile conditions because if bacteria gets involved, then then the whole system gets out of balance, and you, you probably won't get mushrooms. So you need alcohol. You have to you have to wash down everything with alcohol. Uh, get rid of the bacteria. It's it's a it's a pretty cumbersome process, but it can be done. And if you've got a lot of coffee grinds, if you say, for example, own Steam Dot Coffee, 
you might want to Google how to how to use coffee grinds to grow your own mushrooms because it's really fun to do. On the well, other you, hand, you seem to know yeah. a little bit about it. So hold on, this is a really cool way to kind of upcycle, right? You can yeah. Yeah. take your spent coffee grounds, but how much do you need? How, how many? How much coffee grounds? And do do you use any other any other substrate there? Like you know, any other anything you'd mix the coffee in with? Yeah, well, of course, the straw. The and straw. Then you right. get the spawn as well, um, and and that's all you really need. Uh, but but it takes work. I mean, you've got to pasteurize the straw. That means you have to put it in boiling water, 170 degrees, uh, and it has to sit there for for an hour and 15 minutes at 170 degrees. Ooh, that's you know that's you got to pay attention to that, and then you have to dry the straw out, and you got to get freshly used coffee grinds. So it's not it's not one of these situations where, at my house, it would take us you know, a couple of months to get, to get a few pounds of coffee grinds. Whereas at your house probably happens in a day because you can just get it from the store. So um, you make a deal with your, your local coffee brewer uh, and see if they'll give you coffee that's fresh because you want to use the fresh stuff. Otherwise what happens? It gets full of bacteria, the older it gets and that bacteria interrupts the growth of the mushroom. So, and then you got to get the spawn. So where do you get the spawn? Well, in, in places like Alaska, uh, there are feed stores where you might be able to find the spawn, or you can go on the internet and you can buy specific kinds of spawn. But while you're there, you'll undoubtedly stumble upon kits. And, and I think that's a better way to go unless you own your own coffee shops. Uh, and that is to buy a kit which very well may be made up of coffee and straw, but somebody else has done the work and has sterilized things. And so, so uh, all you need to do is follow the instructions, which is basically poking a hole in the bag, soaking, soaking the stuff, uh, putting it in your kitchen someplace and spraying it a couple of times a day. And you end up with some unbelievable mushrooms. That sounds like an awful lot of work for something that, I don't like to eat. Uh, that's what I was gonna say. What, what kind of mushrooms are you eating? Are you, are you just looking at the store mushrooms? Yeah, you, just from the or store. Are you getting some? And, and and with the cute little guys I found in the greenhouse in the coffee plants, I did take out my handy little field guide: fly, fry, or die. From our friend, uh, yes, Mike Amaranthus. Could not could not find them. Yeah. Um, but we started to, to talk a little bit last week about mushrooms and and boy, it, it, it is the season, right? Over the next couple of weeks, we're gonna start seeing oh. all kinds of fungi in our yards, in the woods, and in, in your neighborhood. Just you know, pretty much everywhere you look. Yeah. And even in places that you don't look, you're gonna find really, really uh, copious amounts of fungi. Right, really copious quantities and and varieties of of mushrooms, no question about it. And that's why a good identification application on your on your cell phone makes as much sense as a good book. Uh, you know, you can sit around and read the book, and you could take it out uh, if it's the right kind of paper and and whatnot. But the but the chances of getting the exact mushroom that you you're looking at. Are, are sometimes not that good. But if you've got a good application and all you need to go, do is go to your app store uh, and and look through them, you'll see some of them allow you to take pictures of the mushrooms. Some of them identify the mushroom as well as, as uh, all the scientific information you'd ever want to have on them. Some of them allow you to 
keep a list so that you know uh, some of them allow you to mark where they're located they're they're getting very very sophisticated and frankly viewing mushrooms and studying mushrooms and mushrooms as a hobby is is very similar to bird watching so it's no wonder that we've got books now we've got the apps and those apps are they really are a game changer i, I could just see i could just see you sitting uh, you know in your yard with a pair of binoculars oh there's some wonderful uh Amanita muscaria over there. Don't don't make any sudden movements. The, the mushrooms will see us. <laughs> right. They may listen to the noise of the that they make. Yeah, they're they're really they really are unbelievable. So I, so we have a stump right by the area where we sit and you know we 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 maybe have dinner have friends over with we overlook the bluff. And uh in this particular stump, I looked down the other day, what they look like literally, they look like clouded over eyeballs they were about the size of an eyeball they were cloudy and if you looked at them very carefully you could see in the inside it looked like a brown iris what is that well i immediately knew it was some sort of fungus even though it's not a traditional looking uh form of fungus and sure enough it's a stinkhorn fungus egg have you ever seen a stinkhorn fungus i have Ooh. not they are they are very strange looking uh and they stink and they attract flies and and it's unusual to think that this weird fungi grows right here in anchorage alaska in fact they grow all around the world so wherever you're listening you should have an app that you can check these things out if you want to know whether something is poisonous these apps will tell you with pretty good certainty uh let's just say that way so that we don't have any any liability uh it, they're just simply amazing so on your property right now you have the amanita mascara you've got birch bolites got the whatever that mushroom is that's the mycorrhizal mushroom that goes along with your uh coffee plants now those are just the fruiting bodies i mean and this is something that gardeners and yardeners don't understand so people say how do i get rid of the mushrooms in my yard well you know the mycorrhizal mushrooms you don't want to get rid of because they're feeding the tree all sorts of nutrients including giving the tree water so you don't want to get rid of those and then and then the mushrooms that are in the middle of your lawn these are saprophytic mushrooms that are 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 decaying pieces of wood other organic matter that's in the, and it's not the mushroom that you should be thinking about but the mycelium under the lawn in the soil there is an unbelievable network of fungal hyphae under your soil and your gardens under whether they be flower gardens or whether they be vegetable gardens and in your in your uh, uh lawns as well and those are feeding the plants they're creating soil structure when you see pictures of soil uh, uh holding even though it's raining like crazy as we saw down in in the la area that's because there's a great fungal network there that you want to keep what we see are just these little fruiting bodies which are interesting in and of itself and maybe we should talk a little bit about those in the next segment <laughs> the king of king of segues you read my mind let's take a quick break and when we come back more more mushrooms Bigfoot Mycorrhizae is a complete microbial powerhouse that takes all the guesswork out of using beneficial fungi for your grows. 
It's like a soil food web in a bag packed with beneficial bacteria, kelp, humic acid, biochar, worm castings, and micronutrients. It's going to boost the flavor and size of your veggies, and it's the only mycorrhizae product to earn Jeff's coveted teaming with microbes seal of approval. You can find Bigfoot in Anchorage at Alaska Mill and Feed or nationwide through Amazon or our website, BigfootMyco.com. That's BigfootMyco.com. Hola, gardeners. Is it time to break up with your soil? Is it treating your garden right? Or is it just the same old faux organic or conventional ag byproduct nonsense? Maybe it's time to switch to something real, something you can count on. Well, say hello to number two organics. Farm-made organic compost, real organic topsoil, and premium organic potting soil. No games, no gimmicks. Ask your local nursery buyer to bring us in today. Or get us online at number2organics.com. The thing about a mushroom that people don't understand is that they're just the fungal hyphae. So, you know, when you see that white mycelium running around in the soil, uh, you know, you might see it, you might see it in, on the top of some of your f- flower containers. Uh, th- those are just individual fungal hyphae that have grown together so that you're seeing a bunch of them. They look like threads, but those are those are, you know, hundreds of fungal hyphae. Well, those threads grow together themselves and they form something called a primordial. <laughs> uh, I remember I wrote a book on fungi, so <laughs> I love this stuff. So this primordium is this knot. It's just a tiny little knot of fungal hyphae. And those fungal hyphae make up the mushroom. If you were able to reverse the process of of a mushroom in your hand, it would eventually just turn into individual fungal hyphae, which is hard to believe. So going forward, they form this little little primordium, this knot, and that knot has all of the cells that the mushroom needs, but it lacks water. And so it sits there, a little pinhead, a little bud sits there in the soil. And when we get enough rain in the right conditions, pop, they fill up with water and they pop up ground above ground and they do so so that they can spread spores in the air, in wind currents, et cetera, uh, and spread the the fungal uh, life around. It's, it's, it's just unbelievable. So even when it's sunny out and you don't see the mushrooms and you're walking over your lawn, you're probably walking over bunches of primordiums or primordium, uh, and and uh, that's 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 really kind of a neat thing. Now, it's, your lawn's full of these things, and you think, oh, that's that's pretty cool. There are there's a place in Oregon, there's another place in Michigan uh, that's got a two thousand four hundred year old fungal hyphal network that's two uh, something like two thousand four hundred acres square acres all one basic fungi just spreading out and spreading out and spreading out so so these are key key elements and you want them in your lawn you need to encourage this fungal hyphal network throughout your lawn because it's really important to the soil structure in your lawn lawn or meadow yeah oh you're exactly right or your meadow now I look at 
I've said before on this podcast, when I see worms in my yard, I take it as a sign of great pride Right, that I've got a lot of worms in my lawn, in my garden, in my meadow. Everywhere I look, I see worms. I, that That is a source of pride to me because I think it shows that I have really healthy bacteria and fungal-laden soil that the worms love, right? Right. And you and I, re- you and I can remember when both of our yards did not have worms. Did not, because we would use things that would chase them out. That's where I'm going with this. Yeah. I I look at it the same way that there are, starting now and through the fall, there there are mushrooms, there's fungi yeah. all through my yard. And I mean, literally everywhere I look. And I take that as a similar source of pride. But are there instances where you have fungal hyphae where you don't want it? Is there is there a situation where you can have mushrooms and you see the fruiting bodies of the of the fungi underneath the you know in the in the soil where maybe you don't want it maybe is it a sign of something that maybe you don't want in the soil you know I I'm I gotta have to that's a good question I have to really think about it of course you don't want to see you don't want to see mushrooms growing uh, you know on on, on your walls <laughs> uh, or I guess know, on your body <laughs> yeah you know in, in on the flooring of your log cabin I mean yeah you don't want you don't want to see that kind of stuff so so yeah I mean I can't really think of other than the fact that s- some people might think it's unattractive I can't think of a reason why you would not want to have uh, the fungal hyphae, you can handpick the mushrooms if you don't like the way they look. Uh, but I can't think of an of, of a of a instance where it is not good. Uh, I guess where I was going is there still is some confusion yeah. where folks um, listen to the podcast and they read your books. And we talk a lot about fungal-dominated soil yeah. and bacteria-dominated soil. And right. that if you have an area where you've got a lot of annuals or in your garden where you're growing a lot of annual food, that you see a lot of mushrooms, that that's a sign that your soil is not bacteria dominated or that you're that you're the, the, the compost that you're using isn't bacteria dominated, that you maybe need to tip the other way. But that's not necessarily true because fungus will thrive in lots of soil. You don't really want pure bacterial soil. Uh, You want bacterially dominated soil. And that means there is fungal in that soil. You need fungi in your soil to be able to have the right kind of structure. And and moreover, these these hyphae do a lot of things. For example, uh, they very often merge and form something called a rhizomorph. A rhizomorph is like a water pipeline, and it'll it'll transport water throughout your soil. Wow, I mean that's a that's a great thing to have happen. It's why you don't have to water very often uh, when you are an organic lawn care giver. Uh, it's because you've got you've got the fungi creating not only the reservoirs, uh, the air spaces, uh, but but all, but literal pipelines. Uh, it's just it's, it's an unbelievable thing. So. Yeah, you want this stuff. It's all good. It's all good. And and of course, the f- mushrooms themselves can be very good tasting. And I I encourage your wife, <laughs> uh, as 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 the doctor in your family, to to make sure you try some lion's mane uh, or some really good shiitakes. Um, you know, you, you the the store bought 
mushrooms are fine, but I think you'll find the taste is pedestrian compared to some of these other ones. And you might want to you might want to buy some of these mushroom kits, incidentally, and and grow some exotic mushrooms. Once you grow them yourself, you might think, hmm, okay, I grew them. Now I need to try to eat them. I, I, I'm betting you're going to really like it. I hope that Ann does not listen to this episode because I just have never liked them. I, there's not a lot I won't eat, unfortunately. Um, it's probably maybe it's a childhood thing. Maybe I had them when I was a kid and didn't like them. And I've just never, never, I've just never, you know, developed a taste for them, but I love them. I love looking at them. I have started counting. I've got about eight different kinds of mushrooms uh, fruiting right now around my yard, wow. yeah. including, I, I should ask you, sorry, listener, the one listener we have out there today. Um, <laughs> I, I have these little mushrooms that are growing right along the border of, of the lawn and a perennial bed. And when I accidentally hit them with the weed eater, they exploded in, into this dry dust. Wow. Already yeah. sort of dried out. And yeah. And this like this dust went up into the air. And I thought, well, I don't want to inhale that. Um, but that's another mushroom that I that's right. You don't really want to inhale this stuff if you can help it. I used to, when I gave lectures, uh, uh when I uh, the teaming with microbes first came out, I used to grow some fungal hyphae in a piece of Tupperware. And what I would do is I would put soil there and then I would I would mix baby oatmeal, you know, a little flaky baby oatmeal. I would just mix it in and and lo and behold, this was good compost that I put in the Tupperware. It would it would form this white mycelium network like crazy. And after about two weeks, I could take the soil out of the Tupperware, pass it around a crowd of 100 people, and then put it back in the Tupperware, which still have its original shape. You could drop it on the floor. The mycelium held everything together. I, I used to carry this around. <laughs> and then one time I was, I was going through TSA, they opened it up and the guy started to sniff it. And I went, oh, don't do that. Don't do that. I mean, I scared the heck out of them. Um, and I decided maybe it's not a safe thing to do. You don't really want to sniff <laughs> fungal spores. It's not something you need to be let, doing. Let that be a lesson, folks. You don't want to sniff fungal spores. Yeah. But on the other hand, it is fascinating to watch how they disperse. And the whole reason why you've got an above ground fruiting body for a below ground hyphal network is so that they will disperse. And it doesn't take very much wind in the instance of the particular mushroom that you, you bumped into. I wish again, we'd had an identifier uh, app. Uh, it's just, just touching. It causes it to explode like a puff ball. They're phenomenal. Uh, and, and thousands, dare I say, millions of spores are, are just, drifting around as a result it's just a spectacular thing and again you can grow these yourself in little kits uh that you can get on the internet and you know maybe even decide you like what you're growing in terms of their taste i'll just keep taking pictures of them in my greenhouse <laughs> yeah and taking pictures of them by the way is a cheap way of getting at least some identification as, as we've talked before if you have a good phone and everybody does these days you take a picture and then you can identify off of that picture because the phone has built into it some kind of artificial intelligence that identifies uh plants uh insects birds uh nature things and, and it's really a great new tool so but an app is even better and, and apps I, are good. I highly encourage people to get one of those. 
All right, let's take one more break. We have some listener questions before we round out the week. We'll be right back. Okie dokie. Down to Earth All Natural Fertilizers has been a partner of organic gardeners for more than 40 years. With a full range of OMRI-listed and organic-approved products featuring a wide variety of premium organic blends and a diverse selection of single-ingredient inputs, Down to Earth is dedicated to using the highest quality natural ingredients available, including marine proteins, natural minerals, and biological soil additives. Down to Earth all-natural fertilizers can be found nationwide in independent home and garden centers, so you should ask your retailer for Down to Earth products. Look for that compostable box or find us at downtoearthfertilizer.com. Jeff, you have um, you have an email that you check where our listener questions come in. Um, we obviously both see the questions and whatnot. What, what, what is that email, just so that I don't mess it up? Yeah, teaming with microbes at me.com and it's t-e-a-m just like the name of the podcast so listener if you've got a question for us or you know someone that has a question for us send us an email tell us who you are where you're from and uh we'll get it on the air if we can or get it on the podcast boy that's an old habit on the air also anywhere that you listen to your podcast you have the ability to go and check a little box and give a rating give five stars thumbs up give us a rating if you wouldn't mind so we try to grow this podcast and spread the word about organic gardening. Yeah. I always feel lucky when I get you to come visit my uh, yard. And of course, I love visiting your yard. And I have a good friend who we've been trying to get together most of the summer. We're both busy guys. And uh, <laughs> he's going to laugh. But I think he got tired of me not being able to come over. So he finally just gave in and wrote us a question through the podcast, which makes me feel terrible, <laughs> to be honest, yeah. because that's the way he, that's the way Philippe, uh, it has to reach me these days, which I feel terrible about, terrible about Philippe, but Philippe has a, two good questions. So let's get him out there. You know, this time of year, it can be a little challenging. The weather is starting to change here in our neck of the woods in Anchorage, Alaska, getting a little darker at night. We've got some damp days, damp nights. And you can start to have some issues. Um, Although Philippe has a question about his zucchini and his squash. Why is his squash dying and withering after getting about, you know, a couple inches long? Yeah, you know, there's no question it's some kind of fungus. Um, And it's it's hit it and it's killing it. That's, you know, now what what could it be? Uh, Well, couldn't it also be that a lot of times I will see uh squash will start to grow and if it's not germinated at the right sorry if it's not pollinated yeah at the right time it can abort and yeah i'm i'm assuming he has good pollination because he 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 knows you but i'm also assuming he's got powdery mildew mm-hmm. uh which which is taking them out but you're right uh if you if if they ha- are the type that needs to be in the and squash basically do, although there are cucumbers now that self-pollinate um, or internally pollinate. I forget what the right word is for that. Um, yeah, they they do need to be pollinated, and he he could be out there right now. We've had cloudy weather. Maybe there aren't insects flying in his greenhouse area, and maybe his screens, uh, not screens, his fans aren't operating and the vents aren't opening. So he should go out there and, and, and check and hand-pollinate using a, a paintbrush of some sort. Philippe here in Anchorage asks another question that 
I get a lot because I'm a tomato guy. I grow a lot of tomatoes in my greenhouse. Yeah. And happens to a lot of folks this time of year, your leaves start to turn yellow late in the year. Yeah. I have a picture here that you can't see that is a is an indication of maybe what's the matter with his tomatoes. But typically when I get this question or if I see it in mine, if my plant is producing ripe, red, delicious tomatoes, I don't worry about it. That's usually a sign that the plant's yeah. doing what it needs to do. But in Philippe's case, he doesn't have a lot of tomatoes yet. And he's starting to get that really yellowy kind of goldenrod color uh, mixed in with his green leaves. Well, the, the the thing is, when you have a lot of tomatoes and you have yellow leaves down at the bottom of the plant, you do ignore it. Uh, it, it happens normally. Uh, but but when you don't have tomatoes and you have yellowing leaves it's a pretty good indication that you've got some nutrient deficiency and your your plants need some kind of nutrient. Now, there are a hundred different reasons why a leaf will turn yellow on any given plant, nonetheless a tomato plant. So I don't I, I don't do that. He's gonna have to test the soil in order to right. find out what it what it really needs, or he can just assume uh, it needs a lot and and give it some good compost, uh kelp. Uh, you know, any of those bio alive, um, even even uh, the mycorrhizal fungi Bigfoot uh, can be added because uh, it has the right nutrients to encourage more mycorrhizal fungi and he'll he'll end up better. Now, the problem he has is the season's coming to an end. Right. I'm, I'm not sure it's. You know, he's going to get great success, but it's worth trying. Man, I'm in big trouble. I feel really bad. I'm sorry to make this all about my about my um, poor friendship with Philippe, but uh, one of the reasons we've been trying to get together the last couple of weeks is so I can help him test his soil. <laughs> so Philippe can blame me, uh, blame oh. me. Come, Just come over to my house and yeah. grab some tomatoes. I have plenty. But I have found over the years for what it's worth that watering tomatoes the bright way is a huge, huge advantage. We've talked about it on the show. You don't want to drib and drab. You want to give them these regular deep watering you know, you got to water them at the right time, not too much water, not, not, you know, too little, um, but it could be a million things, right? It could be, yeah. you know, the temperature, it could be the spacing, not, not getting enough airflow. It could be the soil, either both the pH and the, the, the organic matter in there, lot, lots and lots of things. But likely it's nutrients. I, w- I would imagine, uh, you know, and getting, and maybe he's watering the leaves. I, I, I find that is not a great thing up here. Uh, I don't like to get the leaves when I water right uh, right on the soil. How about you? Me too. Same, same. Yeah. Well, let's, let's, uh, sorry, Philippe, we'll catch up soon. Anyway, so don't forget if you have a question and you're not my friend, <laughs> you can still send us a question at uh, teamingwithmicrobes at me.com. That's right, right? Isn't that right? Yeah, that was right. Aren't you proud of me? I didn't say, oh, yeah, it's an iron deficiency or, you know, oh, yeah, it's nitrogen. Or whatever. You don't you know. You can't tell unless you test. can't tell. You got to test, test, know. test, test. Yeah. Well, while we're on the subject, yeah. okay, we're, we're creeping ever so closely to the end of August. It's harvest time. So next oh week, gosh, yes. next week, let's talk a lot about harvest and how to store um, the stuff that you harvest properly so you don't end up you know, the, the, a lot of what a lot of folks do is they grow, grow, grow all summer. It all comes in within a couple of weeks and then it wilts and goes bad and they throw it away. <laughs> but also your flowers, how to keep your flowers going. We'll talk about that next week. It's not time to, you know, chop and drop everything. But there's some other problems that no. folks might be having this time of year as we get wetter, a little bit more uh, darkness at night. 
is, you know, just kind of things start to kind of not look so great, both in your vegetable garden and in your flower garden. And it's not too early yet, yeah. is it, to start planning for next year in terms of nutrients in your soil. You can start adding stuff now, right? If you need to, you can add your bio live or your compost and, or whatever right now. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Um, it's, you know, it's never too early. It's just you have to make sure you do it uh, at least in the fall so that you, you, you know, your microbes do the work and they're ready to go in the, in the springtime. There are, there are some things, incidentally, that you should be doing uh, to harvest right now. I wrote about it in an upcoming column, which probably will run when this show runs. Snap peas, you got, you have to go out and harvest them. If you don't continue to harvest snap peas, they stop and concentrate on growing the peas and not flowers. And if you don't get new flowers, then you don't get new snap peas and, and, and the harvest is over. There's no reason to end your harvest early. Uh, same thing with regular peas. Don't let them get too big. If you let them get too big, then they stop. They stop producing flowers. And of course, the same thing with sweet peas themselves. Uh, they'll stop flowering. You won't be able to, you know, have bouquets of that wonderful fragrant flower if if you don't continue to pick them and prevent the pods from forming and getting too big. Really important that you do these things. This is also a time when you should be out there with your raspberries. What are you waiting for? You, you know, we don't wait for frost for raspberries. When they're ready, you go out and pick them. And now's the time to pay attention to the fact that you've got two kinds of raspberry plants. You have the biennial that's producing fruit, and then you've got the new ones that just started this year that will produce fruit next year. The ones that produce fruit this year, you're going to end up pulling out because they will die. Don't ruin next week's show. That This is all... Oh, no, no. You got you to get your week. raspberries now, but you can't wait. See, that's the thing. We can wait for anything else. That's but true. These yeah. guys, now's the time. Yeah. Everything seems to be a little bit late this year. Raspberries yes. are just coming in. Blueberries haven't really started in my yard. Yeah, they're close. But snap peas are going crazy now and peas are going crazy and I'm having right. a hard time keeping stuff from bolting and whatever. But that's why we do it. Get, get out that's there right. and get busy. And you're, and you're right. We should pay attention to not only next week when to harvest, how to harvest, how to store, but also maybe what to do because winter is coming and we might as well take care of a little bit of that as well. Well, I'll leave you with this. We'll 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 end this episode. I have never had quite the frog year that I'm having this year, man. Ooh. I was in the yard for probably seven hours on Saturday. I cut the grass, cut the meadow. I must've no joke. I caught probably four frogs, showed them to my daughters and my wife yeah. and then saw another probably eight. And usually I see just a handful, just maybe two or three a year, but this has been a phenomenal year for frogs. And you know, it really has when you when you mow the lawn, you have to be very careful oh, yeah. uh, and see if you can give them advance warning. But what people who don't live in Alaska don't understand these are called wood frogs. Right. And they they don't live in water. They they live in the forests in the woods. And in the wintertime, they completely uh, antifreeze themselves. Their blood turns to antifreeze and they're able to survive through a long Alaska winter and then boop, pop out, uh, lay eggs and bingo. Uh, they're and they're honestly we, a miracle. 
of bio. Where do they lay the eggs around you? I don't know. I've got a little teeny pond that I built. I've seen them. I've seen eggs in there and I've seen them use that water. Uh, but there are places that where there isn't water for miles and yet they're frogs. This has been an unbelievable frog year. I don't know what that means, uh, but it it is fascinating. Just like all all things teeming with microbes. The year of the frog. So folks, get out there this week. Get your raspberries. Don't kneel on a frog. And we will talk to you next week. Yeah. <laughs> hey, thanks for listening to this edition of Teeming with Microbes. Make sure to subscribe to the show wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss a thing this gardening season. Jeff and I wrote this episode with additional production and editing by Evan Phillips of Podpeak. You can find him at podpeak.com. Our music is also by Evan Phillips. Thanks, as always, to the Anchorage Daily News for hosting our show. And don't forget to catch Jeff's weekly gardening column in each Friday's edition. We'll be back next week with another edition of Teeming with Microbes. Until then, get out there, get your hands dirty, and get growing. As always, thanks for listening to Jeff and I on this podcast. We're brought to you by Bigfoot Microbes, number two organics made in partnership with Malibu Compost and down-to-earth all-natural fertilizers.